Welcome to episode 7 of Off the Cuff. I'm Darren Chohan. And I'm Matt Butler. Now, before we get into the legal mumbo-jumbo, let's talk some NFL football. Oh, yeah. How unbelievable have these playoffs been? I am I am so happy you asked. Because that Bills-Chiefs game two weeks ago, mm. I don't even have words for it. Mm, it was I good. was sitting there. I was texting on my phone, sitting by myself, watching the game. Then Josh Allen and Mahomes just started throwing darts. Dimes. Bombs, and, even. And I'm like, I'm no, putting I, my phone away. Yeah, it was Because that two minutes of football had to have been the best two minutes of professional sport I've seen in years. It was, it was phenomenal. And I've, I, we watched the bat flip happen mm-hmm. live. Yeah. And this beat that. Eh, okay, well, we, this well, is... Well, you're a baseball fan, but... This is a topic for another, uh, you're <laughs> another right. debate. Okay. All right, let's... Fine. Fine. We'll park it. But Super Bowl's going to be sick. Super Bowl's going to be super fun. Yeah, because the NFL playoffs this year have just been, They've been lit. Partic- lit. They've been particularly exciting. All right. All right, back to okay. what you yeah, guys are right. watching and listening. So first, uh, we want to thank Marissa Sarazen for an incredible Big episode. Yeah. Uh, she came in. She dropped the mic and gave us some really good content. Yeah. Gave us some great content on what to sort of anticipate or plan or get you know your thoughts and documents together for your estate planning and you know potentially a meeting with the will uh, with a lawyer about your will and a lot of people find it intimidating to call a lawyer about their will and their estate planning but they shouldn't be okay on that i think i'm gonna go on a soapbox for a second darren's gonna go on a soapbox now here we go all right here we go so in canada you often see barristers and solicitors. And on our logo, even, you see barristers, solicitors, and notaries under the Weaver Simmons. And a lot of people don't know what that means. No, it's true. And so barrister is generally a lawyer who goes to court and is what we call them litigators. Litigators, yeah. And a solicitor is does all the stuff that a litigator doesn't. So drafting contracts, drafting wills, real estate transactions, corporate law. Yep. All of that type of work is the solicitor's work. And it's derived from the common law system in England, where in England, you are either a barrister or a solicitor. But when you graduate law school in Canada and get called to the bar, you are a barrister and a solicitor. And now this sounds really random, why I'm talking about this, but solicitors are, and we, but lawyers themselves are not intimidating. This doesn't have to be an intimidating no, process. service providers. Yeah. And so just like any other professional, picking up the phone and calling a lawyer to do a will should not give you that overwhelming feeling of uh, stress. It should be one of those things, just like anything else in life, you're planning for, and it's totally normal to call a lawyer to estate plan. And I think that, you know, the solicitors are just like any other professional and will help you through that process and be, and be professional and kind and It'll, it'll yeah, be and some people just find it tough to talk about planning for their mm-hmm. death, right? That And that's, you know, let's let's call it what it is. You are yeah. planning for what happens to your property, what happens, you know, who gets what and what your state, how your state will be dealt with once you die. And it's not, it's not something that people, you know, thrive in. And some people think about it, you know, later than they sort of, they had to scramble for it, but... Something that you can always vary and change and modify as the years go by. So it's something that you know, if you if you want to get a will together, it's a, you can c- call our office and get one done. Yeah, and it's to me really cool 
to see the skill and experience of our colleagues, just like we did with Zach. Yeah, exactly. And just to have Marissa on the show was so refreshing because I learned a lot from her. Yeah. Uh, and her work crosses over into a lot of what we do, right? Speaking about crossing over, um, she touched upon um, the new changes in the Succession Law Reform Act, which we're going to take and run with today, really um, ex- you know, expand on the changes of, of that piece of legislation. Now, the Se- Succession Law Reform Act is one piece of legislation among many I mean, dealing with the states, but it's it's, it's the it's the prime it's the prime primary I would say so, yeah yeah primary piece of legislation, um, and then after that, we're going to talk about um, what happens if you die without a will. That's called intestacy, and what you know what happens to your spouse and and what happens to your estate then. And then we're going to touch touch upon a subject that I think is a a big subject in family yeah, law and, and estate litigation and just estates period. That is the common law property rights because we get a lot of questions from people about common law property rights and common law spouses. And now what what we're witnessing in our practice is that there has been a dramatic shift from the institution of marriage to people who are not getting married anymore. Yep. And unfortunately, the law has not adapted to that as quickly as you want it to. And so the definitions, it it does surprise people because the definitions of spouses are different in each piece of legislation. We're going to get into that later in the episode. So it's one of those things where you got to stick around and uh, I think it's going to be really informative. Yeah. So let's take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the uh, Succession Law Reform Act and then we'll go from there. Yeah. This episode of Off the Cuff is brought to you by Weaver Simmons LLP. Northern Ontario's largest full-service law firm with over 30 lawyers and 60 support staff. For over 90 years, the law firm of Weaver Simmons has proudly served the interests of Northern Ontario residents and has built its reputation based on exceptional services to its clients. For more information about the firm, please visit www.weaversimmons.com. The link is provided in the description below. Welcome back, guys. We left off talking about the Succession Law Reform Act and what the changes were. So we're going to go into that in a bit more depth now because I think that these changes are really important and really good. Yep. And first, we'll start off with the definition of spouse. And you heard us talking about before the break how common law spouses don't have property rights. And we're going to get into that later in the episode. But for the purposes of the the Succession Law Reform Act, the definition of spouse is... Uh, that of a married person, effectively married persons. So two married persons are the uh, are spouses for the purposes of the Succession Law Reform Act, except for certain provisions for dependent support, which we're not going to get into today. So the changes to this act and the big the big important ones are that now marriage no longer automatically revokes a will. Where previously it did. So right. if I had a will. And then I got married, my will was automatically revoked, meaning it no longer existed. Right. And that was a big problem uh, in predatory marriages, which yeah. is what this is meant to target. So what I mean by predatory marriages, it's the marriages that you have a younger person marrying somebody who is dying or on their deathbed, and maybe perhaps there's some undue influence or some capacity issues like Marissa went into yeah. about you know making a will or getting married to somebody who's about to die. And then once that marriage occurs, the old legislation allowed that will that they had before, which could have even been a will from 50 years ago, to be revoked. And then all of a sudden, 
that person no longer has a will and if they're too old and frail to go make a will or don't have the capacity to make a new will Mm -hmm. that person will die intestate and matt's going to get into a little bit about intestacy in a little bit and that just means when you die without a will yeah and without even predatory marriages have been they are a problem but even just people who have have their second marriages you know people are are marrying later in life and their kids are older and they have grandchildren and they've had wills done to contemplate that and now people this happens a lot where they then get married and all of a sudden they're not aware that their their will is revoked right which is unfortunate really it leaves them in a position where their children from the previous marriage or their other beneficiaries that they've designated could be siblings grandkids whoever right because often remarriages you know they're older and maybe they have grandkids Mm -hmm. and so they've made those provisions but then they get remarried and then they don't have any of that estate planning anymore and they're not aware of that and we're not aware of that and it it has been a problem a big problem Yeah. yeah and so this legislation the new changes starting january 1 are meant to target that uh except for the fact that it only applies to marriages after January 1st, 2022. Right. So if you were married prior to January 1st, 2022, and you had a will previously to that marriage, um, it was revoked. However, there's an exception to the exception that we just discussed, where if your will was done in contemplation of the marriage, then it wasn't, then it's not revoked. However, there needs to be language to that effect within the will. Right, exactly. And that you that's where the, the solicitors that we talked about earlier come in exactly. and really assist you in putting those provisions in that make sure that you're protected, you know, in contemplation of marriage, you make a will and then that will itself is valid. Right. Because you've said, and they call that the legal jargon is absent contrary intention. Exactly. So, you know, not going to get into the weeds on that, but talk to your lawyer. If you, if this is you, if you figure out, you listen to this episode and you're in this situation and, you know, talk to your lawyer who prepared your first will and perhaps you need to revisit that now because yeah. of the changes to the legislation. There's also a very nice change where we saw you've experienced this problem in 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 your practice, but it's somewhere something that you know it, it, it's an issue that needs to be addressed, and it has been addressed with these new amendments where separated spouses, you know, married couples, and they just don't get divorced because sometimes they get they separate and they just say, well, it's just easier just not to get divorced because you got to bring another application, you got to pay these disbursements and yeah. get it's not horrendously expensive but we're talking still thousand dollars some people say well i didn't why get divorced there's no point to it what happened before these new changes though was that if a separate if you were married and separated you didn't get divorced and you didn't do anything about your will and then you you were to predecease your former spouse but you're not divorced you're still technically married mm-hmm. and then at that point the estate would just go back to the will and if the will gave everything to your spouse that you can you could have been separated 15 20 years they receive what is you know what is bequeathed within your will right and so this goes into a little bit of the intestacy discussion but the case that i had was where just exactly the scenario you described this happened to a real couple where they were separated for a very long time married never divorced and there was no will and there's a preferential share that happens when somebody dies without a will yeah and at that time it was 200,000 and what that means is that if somebody dies without a will 
the spouse is entitled to the first $200,000 of the estate. As of March 1st, 2021, however, they're entitled to the first 350000 now. Right. And so in the case I was dealing with, the estate was only worth about 200000 And so the parties had a separation agreement. They had been separated for a long time but never divorced. And the law allowed the, the surviving spouse to get the entirety of the funds from the estate and on top of that control the property in the estate. Yep. And so this is why these new changes that Matt was talking about, they added language into the Succession Law Reform Act to say that separated spouses also lose that same entitlement as divorced spouses do. Right. They lose their appointments, their entitlements under the wills. Right. So if they've been living, I'll just read it off exactly from the legislation here. They've been living separate and apart for the last three years. That immediately preceded the death. They entered into a valid separation agreement under the Family Law Act. They have a court order, an arbitration award regarding the settlement of their affairs upon the breakdown of the marriage. Or at the time of the testator's death, they were living separate and apart as a result of the breakdown of the marriage. So it, it is protecting a separated spouse who then predeceases the other spouse in not having their entire estate in order. In, well, having it in order as opposed to just being in complete shambles. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, these, these, these amendments have been, I think, an excellent um, avenue for separated spouses and have really clarified and solidified um, you know, estate law. Right, and it, it has gone to, it's going in a direction which is a positive direction, in my opinion. I think that these changes that came in were absolutely necessary. I would agree. Um, because without these changes, there were so many situations that we would face that spouses, and I use the word spouses in this context, again, as married persons, yep. would find themselves struggling, especially when they are dealing with, uh, you know, one of their ex-spouses remarried um, and then that person wants to provide for their new partner but they're not able to because there's, um, you know, there's a problem with the will or there's a problem with the estate or something has happened in between. Um, And so this legislation has really helped to identify those gaps in the fact scenarios that people were finding themselves in. And obviously they thought it w- parliament thought it was important enough to pass legislation to deal with this. And so I'm happy with the changes. I think they're great. I think that especially us practicing family law yeah. really gives us a more clear picture to advise our clients. Yeah. And just on a practical standpoint, it just, it just makes sense that if you were separated for like 10, 15 years, that, Clearly, well, it wasn't maybe not clear, but your intention is not to have your will stand as it was when you were married and you guys made a, typically you make a will Mm -hmm. together. Um, They're just mirror wills. You know, if you get everything, then I get everything if you predecease me. So now it's going to simplify when you get separated under under your current will, it'll be as though that spouse had predeceased you, meaning they had died before you. Mm-hmm. So as though any entitlements or appointments within that will, they're no longer entitled to, which 
I think just in, instead of saying I'm separated, oh my god, I got to think of all these things, sort of gives you uh, some breathing room and just just there's not that panic of going, do I need to get this done? Do I need to get this done right away? Um, you should. However, it does sort of foresee issues that we have seen have that you've seen in a file where all of a sudden we're fighting over an estate that you didn't even think you were entitled to up until you know, 15, 20 years after, and then your, your spouse predeceases you. But I think this highlights another important thing to me anyways in our practice. Just get divorced. Because yeah. it that would be my advice. If somebody came to see me, that would be what I would say. Is, you know, if you've been separated for that long, just get divorced because that's your cleanest break. That is the cleanest way to shut it down to make sure that all of the things that you want protected can remain protected from your ex-spouse. Mm-hmm. Because then you're thinking about in that process making a will. You're thinking about estate planning. Then you, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't get remarried if you're not first divorced. Yeah. So there are barriers to remarriage, of course. And so yeah. you want to make sure that you do get divorced if uh if it if you know if it makes sense for you but i think that in most scenarios i am recommending to clients to get divorced i am too and it's kind of surprising how many there's a lot of resistance a lot of resistance and mm. i i've i don't understand sometimes the the resistance sometimes is there's like there are benefits involved mm-hmm. where if you know if you're if you're divorced you're not entitled to someone's you're not entitled to someone's benefits plan but um i've i've well, we've had matters where they come in and they say, well, I want to get divorced now. You're going, well, when's the separation? They go, I don't know, 15 years ago? And you're going, you never got divorced. It just, it it, it sort of boggles the mind sometimes because it, it is the cleanest of breaks once you get divorced. The marriage is now dissolved. Right. And I find, too, when somebody comes to me after 15 years and they want to get divorced, I've had files where we can't even find the other spouse. Yeah. And, I mean, and then it's another huge challenge. Like, I had one, you know, sometimes the spouses in the United States or yeah. in Australia or in uh, like Singapore. We have to then figure out how to get these people personally served. Not easy. And then start the divorce here and get that done just so you can get your affairs in order. And so we always recommend, you know, you only need to be separated for one year to get divorced. So once you settle your equalization issues and your all your other stuff, just get divorced because yep. it's it is the cleanest break, um, and we we did talk a little bit about intestacy, and I think that that is another piece of information that our listeners should know about is just make a will. Yep, you know the money investment in making a will is not significant, and but it protects you and your beneficiaries and your family going forward because you'll see in our next episode what can can happen if you do not provide for your dependents and you do not provide for your beneficiaries or if you you unfortunately pass away without having dealt with your affairs where that goes and how bad that gets and estate litigation i have to say is one of the nastiest areas of litigation. It can be messier that than I've seen. It, it can, can be messier than family law. Yeah, because we do a lot of child custody issues, and it can be messier than that. And that mm-hmm. you know can get rough. But because it's lit- adults yeah. fighting over money and property, and it's not 
pleasant. It's overtly so, emotional. It's so a, yeah. the two pieces of information we can leave you with are get divorced, make a will, and you know everybody will be much better off. It simplifies things. It just does. That leaves us with common law spouses. Common law spouses and their rights. And I think we'll take a break and we'll get right back into it afterwards. This episode of Off the Cuff is brought to you by Weaver Simmons LLP, Northern Ontario's largest full-service law firm with over 30 lawyers and 60 support staff. For over 90 years, the law firm of Weaver Simmons has proudly served the interests of Northern Ontario residents and has built its reputation based on exceptional services to its clients. For more information about the firm, please visit www.weaversimmons.com. The link is provided in the description below. Welcome back. We left off wanting to discuss common law spouses and their property rights. Um, and like we said, this is something that we're seeing quite often now. And I think we're just going to keep seeing more of it um, until there are changes to the law. Um, but it, inherently, a lot of people think that I'm in, a com- I'm, a common- I'm in a common law relationship. We get separated. I have the same rights as a married couple. Darren, what's the answer to that? Unfortunately, Matt, you don't. You don't. Um, and one of the main remedies in family law is the equalization payment where for a common law spouse, you could have been together 20, 25 years, 30 years, um, you don't have an inherent right to the equalization of the property acquired together or even separately. No, and it is all. it all goes back to that definition of spouse. Yep. And when I said earlier, the law does not adapt quickly. No. And so... You have spouses who have been together, and I've had cases where they, I've had spouses together over 30 years. They call themselves husband and wife. Yep. You know, they do, they do all the things as a married couple, except for they are not married. They're not legally married. And so this becomes a problem when one person owns everything. Yeah. In a common law relationship, when one person owns everything... The Family Law Act will not protect you. It doesn't. And the only remedies you have available to you as a common law spouse are, ironically, common law remedies. Yeah. The common and, law remedies of unjust enrichment yeah. and constructive trust. And those are judge-made constructs. Yeah. They're not legislated constructs. And so you have to then plead your case in court to make a claim against your ex-spouse. And I use the word spouse here as common law spouse, but that's not the definition under the family, the equalization provisions under the Family Law Act. Right, those are for married spouses, but for the married couples. Now for common law spouses is lived together, cohabitated for three years Mm -hmm. or one year with a child. Correct. But that definition that matches gave us does not apply to property yeah property or the the home yeah when you are pleading your case in court against your ex-partner let's say partner just so that we don't confuse the terms you're effectively suing them for unjust enrichment or a constructive trust yeah and in either of those claims you're looking for contribution back of what you put into the relationship. Or 
even simpler is just simply that the the other person shouldn't financially benefit from Your my labor or right. my contribution. And then most, you know, normal case you see about this or common case you see about this is when two common law spouses like run a business together or real estate or real estate yeah and so when they build this thing up from zero to a big successful business mm-hmm. and then they get separated and the one spouse goes, one spouse goes every, i own the business therefore yeah. i'm just taking it with me right and this goes back to if it's just all in one person's name yep that spouse that is left on the outside has a really big uphill battle to climb to get access to their the fruits of their labor. They actually have to go through a big exercise to prove that their contributions made that business or joint venture, mm-hmm. which is the language you hear. Which is the language for common law about the joint venture. Yeah, joint family venture. Joint family venture. When you see that that person is trying to make that claim, it's very difficult. It is difficult. And and there's no other, unfortunately, it requires court. There's not really any other avenue. You can negotiate, but they can... Right, they can of course. I mean, then you're looking at getting business valuations, which are expensive. Yeah. You have to get your expert evidence. You know, you might try a round of mediation. You might try negotiating on your own. But at the end of the day, if you have fundamentally different perspectives on contributions, which I'll tell you right now, yeah, it's very seldom. Yeah, it's, it's very, very seldom sell- people agree. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, you put in this oh, much yeah, money. Yeah, great, yeah, I'll yeah, pay of course. you out. Yeah, never. No. Um, so as a common law spouse, I think our recommendations are, you know, you just got to protect yourself and make sure you're doing that and try to. Um, you know, another common example is when one spouse and, or one partner in a common law relationship owns the home you live in. Mm-hmm. But you've you both know, been contributing. But you've both been contributing to, let's say, renos or you pay them, you know, you pay half the mortgage, but your name's not on title. Yeah. If your name was on title, then the status of your relationship doesn't matter. Yeah. Because your name on title to that property gives you the right as an owner yep. to trigger even the harshest of remedies, which is a sale of the property. If you cannot come to some agreement, yep. but as a common law spouse partner, you do not have the ability to trigger a sale of the home. Whereas a married person under the provisions of the family law act yep. has a right to force the sale of the home. Yep. The matrimonial home. The matrimonial home. And that's another thing where under the Family Law Act, a married married spouses have a right of possession notwithstanding their the ownership of the home. Right. So if you if you don't own the home but you are married, you have every right to occupy s- it. Occupy the home. Obviously there are exceptions to that. However, um, as a common law spouse, if you're not on title, you don't technically have the right to remain there. No, there's no occupation rights. Which, which is, which can be very shocking to a lot of people to hear that. It's super frustrating. Yeah. And having that conversation as counsel to, to people, you know, you see people's sort of faces just drop when you tell them that. Yeah. Because they've been so invested in this relationship for however long it's been. And then you have to be the one to tell them like, sorry, there is no legal recourse 
you could start an action, but I can't guarantee you a result. Well, we can't guarantee results, no. And you better have good evidence and good yep. bookkeeping for the contributions you've made. Otherwise, it's that, you know, extenuating uphill battle. Yep. Which is just exhausting for everyone. And, and it can, yeah, it can be draining. It can be emotionally draining. And if it's litigation, you know, we've touched upon this in a few episodes, litigation is not, not quick. You know, the wheels of justice turn slowly, and sometimes it's, it's much too slow for, for people to, to really take in. There, you know, this is pretty grim and pretty solace the way we're explaining this. However, common law spouses do have a right to spousal support. So mm-hmm. it's not as though you're left high and dry. If you are, if you do meet the entitlement for spousal support, you can claim that, which, is, uh, which can be necessary, especially if you're going to be uh, litigating or negotiating property rights or, you know, payouts of sorts. Mm-hmm. You do have... And the laws know, come a long way, I think, with the, su- the, the support stuff. They, the, it's it's treated it's the almost same. the same now as married couples. Yeah, it's, it's the, the spousal the same. support yeah. is pretty much the same. And you're right. I guess there is kind of a grim tone to what we're saying, but yeah. I I I don't want to take away the seriousness of the gravity of those it's, decisions. No, it's, it's still serious. Still serious and, decision. Yes. But you're right. I mean, the law has adapted to the spousal support changes um, that have come in come into force and recognize yeah. common law spouses as spouses. For or for dependent support, and that yep. goes back to our estate discussion, where uh, you, as a common law spouse, have a right to claim against your deceased partner's estate yep. for support. Yep. And so that's that's been a positive change. And that's one thing that, you know, talking about these these states is that when we talk about married spouses who don't have wills, um, and if one of them were to predecease, you have the preferential share. Avenue, and you can even make an election under the Family Law Act for an equalization. That's right, yeah. So there's two, you know, two separate things that you can do as a married spouse. If you're a common in a common law relationship, and there is no will, and the, your spouse or your partner dies intestate, you don't have those inherent rights. No. You have a dependence claim, which is essentially spousal your support, support. Your spousal support. Your support, claim. but you don't have any claims as against the property. property. But Again, there are unjust enrichment, constructive trust claims, but again, it's you're bringing it, an action against the estate at that exactly. point and, and for it's, that. And it's not, it, and it's and it can get messy again. And this is what De- our Devin, our next guest, is yeah, going Devin to talk Munch, about. our next next week is going to talk about how estate litigation works and the different avenues people have, and he's going to give us some some good insight about how truly emotionally tied and how difficult. messy and difficult it can get and i think on that on your point of the the equal or the um election yeah that's something people need to know about and i want to leave them with that i think that'd be a good a good you know tidbit to leave people with yeah and it's if you're we're talking about married spouses now so if you're married and your spouse and your spouse dies and there is a will you have the opportunity within the six, within six months of death to elect to take an equalization payment, go that avenue, or to elect to take whatever is provided to you under the will. Right. And that's going to be a discussion you have to have with a lawyer because if what's provided for you in the will is less than what an equalization payment would be, the estate would be obligated to pay you that equalization payment as long as you elect within the six months. Right. You have to elect within six months and you mm-hmm. got to prove your claim. And you see this more, really, you see this more with intestacy because typically, well, because a preferential share was 200000 
usually the equalization, um, you know, if there are like RSPs and savings and investments and all that kind of stuff, people will probably decide to take under the the equalization rather than sure. the the intestacy provisions. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a discussion with your lawyer. I mean, every fact scenario is going to be different. Everyone's estate's going to look different. So you just need to be cognizant of those issues. But Matt's totally right as in so far as the common law spouse, you don't have that opportunity. No, and like and like you had said, it's a claim as against the estate. You have to commence an action as against the estate. You got to retain a lawyer. Or you can do it yourself, but you you know it can be difficult to navigate those roads. This is not a simple thing to do. So get a will and get divorced. Get a will, get divorced. If you're in that situation and you need to be, because it's the cleanest break and the safest avenue to make sure that everyone is protected. Couldn't agree more. Okay. This episode of Off the Cuff is brought to you by Weaver Simmons LLP, Northern Ontario's largest full-service law firm with over 30 lawyers and 60 support staff. For over 90 years, the law firm of Weaver Simmons has proudly served the interests of Northern Ontario residents and has built its reputation based on exceptional services to its clients. For more information about the firm, please visit www.weaversimmons.com. The link is provided in the description below. Thank you for tuning in to this rather grim episode. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, But these are questions that we're getting daily. um, Mm -hmm. And with the changes in the legislation, um, we have to be on top of it. Um, We have to relay that to our clients. But also, now that we have a platform, we can inform the viewers and listeners about uh, these changes. And uh, it's it's important. Yeah, I... I agree with you yeah. because the whole point of the show is to share this information with people, with our viewers and our listeners that don't necessarily have a place to look for it or know where to look for it. Yeah, exactly. And so that being said, we will put, of course, as we always do, yep. the, whatever we talked about today, the links, they'll be in the description. And uh, next time. I'm so excited. I'm so juiced for this episode coming up. Because now we talk about litigation. Yeah, and that's what we do. Yep. So we're going to get into it. Uh, Devin Munch, one of our associates, going to come in and sit in. Yeah, he practices estate litigation. And does some capacity stuff. And yep. uh, I, you know, just as excited as I got over that chicken coop, <laughs> I am fired up to hear what cases Devin has prepared for us and he's going to come talk about because that's where... Uh, you know, that's where I want to be in court and yep. I want to hear what he's got. And so, you know, that being said, if you guys have questions for him, drop it, drop it in the comments. You know, we love to hear from you. If you have any other feedback or want to just get a hold of us, you know where to find us. Perfect. So that being said, thanks for sticking it through. You know, this episode was heavy at times, but necessary. But necessary. Take care, guys. See you next time. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts. Listen, do what you gotta do to keep us real, okay? The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Weaver Simmons. The contents of this podcast are strictly for informational purposes and not to be construed in any way as legal advice. If you have an issue that you believe requires legal advice, we suggest you contact a lawyer. And if you do not have the financial means to do so, 
contact Legal Aid Ontario or the Law Society of Ontario. The links are provided in the description below.